This is LEC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. I am the senior pastor here at the church, and uh, we are so grateful uh, that you have joined us online today, and we pray that God will just invade that space where you are, where you're watching today. We have people ready to engage with you and encourage you. If you need prayer, all you have to do is use the comment section there, and someone will pray with you and engage you there. We're so grateful uh, that you uh, are with us. We want to have a word of prayer we had a little situation right before church that kind of blew up some of the plans we had for the opening, but um, we want to pray over some needs today. We have several uh, needs in our church. We've just buried Helen Dingus this week, and uh, you may remember Helen. She got saved a few months ago, uh, came in a wheelchair, and it, well, 930 people may not remember, but she's in 1130 service. Uh, she was baptized in the outdoor service that we had back in September. And, uh, and then the Lord called her home this week. Uh, she had a heart attack and uh, they were not able uh, to uh, bring her uh, back. And so she has passed on. We had her funeral here Monday night. And uh, we want to pray for the Dingus family, for Teresa uh, and for George and Helen, the kids and uh, all of the other extended family. Let's remember them in prayer. Most of this family has given their heart to the Lord in the last 60 days. And so we're just praising the Lord that God, God. saved Helen when he did. And uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful, beautiful little service that we had Monday night. And I'm so grateful for, our, uh, for those of you that helped to serve and minister to this family. I know that God will bless you for that. John Masaccio, one of our elders, his sister Becky passed away a couple of days ago. Uh, they'll be having her funeral Tuesday, Wednesday of this week. It's been a journey of many difficult days since Becky was diagnosed with cancer. And we want to pray uh, for John and his mother uh, and family as they navigate these, uh, these difficult waters this week. Um, Shelly uh, reminded me this morning and some of the other leaders in our church a baby that we've been praying for in our staff meeting, baby Mila, a little girl in Rainbow City, Rainbow Children's Hospital, uh, has suffered uh, a crisis this morning. Uh, doctors are going to be, and I'm not sure I, I've got this right, I may fumble it, but they're going to fly in uh, some of the resources that are going to be needed for Mila if uh, she's to survive. And so we want to pray for this family. Uh, we've been lifting this baby up now for several months. And please remember her. I just got word that Pam Armstead's sister, no, her aunt, has passed away. So we want to be praying for, uh, for Pam. Edna O'Baker from our church had surgery again this week. This is about the third surgery she's had since she had her recreational uh, vehicle accident. So we want to pray uh, over her. And then Kathy Franco's mother uh, needs our prayer. You know, we serve a God that knows all of this. But sometimes when I'm praying, I, I will say to God, just because I feel like I need I know I'm not catching you up on something you don't know. He already knows it. We mention it because we want to join our hearts together in alignment with God's will and God's purpose. We want to pray over these today. So right where you are, would you just kind of lift up your hand to the Lord and would you help me pray over these needs today? Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I'm grateful we can call on you, that you know us, that you understand us, that you do know our name, you know our circumstances. And Father, we lift up every one of these needs, those that are grieving. Lord, we lift up those that are grieving today and pray the peace of God, the comfort of the Holy Spirit over their lives today. Father, we pray for those that are sick and declare that you are the healer of our bodies, that by your stripes we are healed and we trust you for that today. And we pray over these in our body that are sick and need healing and ask you, God, that you will divinely touch them and heal them for the glory of God. Thank you for the privilege to know that when we pray, you hear us. And we glorify you for that today. And we thank you for that. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says, amen, amen, amen. If you're visiting with us today, we are so glad uh, that you are here. If it's your first time or maybe the first time in a long time uh, since you've been here. And if so, our ushers will be uh, coming to you at some point. Our First Impressions team will come. Uh, they'll have something for you to fill out. And they've got a gift for you that just says, hey, we're so glad you came uh, to visit LEC and come back anytime uh, and be a part of our fellowship. And can we welcome our visitors today to the 930 service? We're so glad that you're here. And to all of our regular people, be sure that you see them before you leave. Uh, we have Brother Bakari here from, from West Africa today. We are so glad uh, that he is here. He's friends with Brother and Sister Z, and they brought him. They've been working with his ministry for some time, and we are uh, grateful that he is here in the service with us uh, today. We're going to receive our tithe and offering today, and... Uh, I want to thank you. In fact, I want to begin by saying how proud I am of our church. I just want to thank God for you. In a season when a lot of churches are struggling uh, and having difficulty, uh, God has continued to bless us, and that's because of your faithfulness. You have been so faithful uh, in attendance and in participation and in our group's ministry and finances and all of those things that help us to know that God is helping us through this crisis season, this pandemic season. So thank you for your giving uh, as we get ready to give our tithe and offering today. God bless you for everything you do. Remember that we are in the middle of a small campaign with our children for the Christmas boxes. And I know Pastor Naomi would want me to remind you Able as you go out, if you've not picked up a box that you're going to fill up or you've not made a contribution uh, to that, please do that and uh, be a part of this miracle that we are providing for children uh, around the world. Father, thank you for the gifts that are received. We know, God, that you own all the money. It all belongs to you. So, Father, we just pray in the name of Jesus now that you will take these gifts, you will use them for the glory of God, your kingdom will be advanced and your blessing will be upon the people who so graciously and humbly submit their gifts to you as an act of worship. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Our ushers are going to move among you uh, and receive your offering, so thank you uh, as you give today. And as they do, let's open our Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 4. We are making a pivot toward the finish line. Uh, we probably is the most famous of all of the book of Philippians.
And I felt especially led that we that we dealt with this topic this morning. I want to talk with you about the subject of defeating worry and anxiety. Anybody in the room ever had to deal with worry and anxiety in your life? And hold your hand up. Are your rest of your arms broke? Everybody in this room has at some time dealt with worry and anxiety. We all have it. We all deal with it. It's a human response to stress and challenge. And you might be surprised how much the Bible has to say about worry and anxiety. In fact, the book is full of instruction about worry and anxiety. And I guess the reason is that God knows that we do. We worry and we are anxious. So I want to read to you this morning from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, 7, and 8. And it'll be up on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. If you do, it's chapter 4, verses 6, 7, and 8. Some of the more famous words in the book of Philippians. Here's what it says. Don't worry about anything. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Jesus or in Christ Jesus. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Now, Pastor Jerome, when I read that, I remembered how we laugh in our staff meetings. We have a staff member who will say, I've got two things I want to say. And they hold up three fingers. He says, one thing, one final thing I want to say. Fix your thoughts on what is true honorable, right, and pure, and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You may be seated. Anxiety is seemingly inescapable in this world. Americans, as a group, are really freaked out. Gun sales are growing faster than we could possibly Security are now common in everything that we own. Video surveillance is being used everywhere in our country. One in six Americans take medication uh, to alleviate their anxiety and panic disorders. 44% of people surveyed report that their stress levels have increased in the past five years. Now, the study doesn't say this, but I wonder how many of those people are raising teenagers. Because that raises your stress level, doesn't it? We're afraid for our safety. We're afraid for our health. We're afraid for our family. We're afraid for our finances. We're afraid for our marriages. We're afraid... 
you fill in the blank. Fear is among us. Worry lives in our house. And our anxieties are just below the surface and can be triggered with almost any warning, without any warning. So in that kind of environment, it sounds ironic for us to look at Paul and hear Paul say, don't worry about anything. You say, well, that's easy for Paul to say. He never lived in 2020. Well, do you remember last week, and I'm going to ask him to put it up on the screen, we, we read this verse of Scripture, and it, it, it triggered something in me this week. Paul says in 1 in, in Corinthians, he says, Are they servants of Christ? I speak as if insane, I more so. In far more labor, in far more imprisonment, beaten times without number, often in danger of death. Five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep, I've been in frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from countrymen, dangers from Gentiles. Dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I've been in labor and hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all the churches. Now, that's a mouthful. And what Paul is obviously talking about is the perils, personal sufferings, and the constant stress of attack. So he has every reason to worry. And yet he says, don't worry about anything. It's interesting that he doesn't say, don't worry about the small stuff. We would understand that. Don't worry about insignificant things. We get that. But he says, don't worry about anything. Now, before I go on into this this morning, I want to make sure that you're clear that everything that I've read in the Scripture, everything that I've looked at, everything that I've prayed over, I don't see anything in the Bible that assigns shame or guilt or condemnation to the natural response of worry and anxiety. Anything that brings guilt and condemnation is not from God. God doesn't, God's not putting guilt on us. He's not giving condemnation. If anything, the word of God is instructional to say, I know this is a challenge that you got. Here's what you need to do. We, we tend to say, well, you know, as believers, we should not. And perhaps it would be better if we didn't. But what I'm saying to you this morning is that the Bible is full of compassion and encouragement for those who struggle with worry and anxiety. And the mission this morning is simple. I've only got this mission. I want to encourage I want to empower you and I want to equip you from the Word of God. So let's start with the big question, the elephant in the room. Is worry a sin? Is it a sin to worry? And the answer to that is very simple. It depends on why you're worrying and what your worry and fear is doing to you 
And it depends on how you position God in the relationship, in relationship to your trouble. You see, it has everything to do with why you worry. Because listen, I'm telling you that fear of the unknown, fear of things that frighten you, worries and anxiety from those kind of things are human experiences. They are normal within reason and common to everybody in this room. Everybody's got something they're afraid of. Everybody's got something they're dealing with. Everybody's got something that they're anxious about. We, we're, we're in a season where there's a lot of stuff happening in your life that is quickly causing you to worry and be afraid. And it's not a sin for you to have concerns or worries about things that make you afraid. It's not a sin. It, it, it has to do with why you in fact are worrying. Now, by the, by the same token... The kind of worry that doubts God's provision. Worry that doubts God's promises and His word. Emotions that are not secure in faith that God is our keeper and our protector. That those kind of things are more serious. When you see the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 20, they come to Kadesh Barnea. They have been with God coming out of Egypt and they have seen the power of God. They've seen the miracles of God. They send the spies in. The spies come back and they say, it's a wonderful land. It's exactly what God promised us it was going to be, but we're never going to live there because there are giants in that land. And when we saw those giants, we felt like grasshoppers in their sight. And when they began to cry out in their fear and their anxiety, it ticked God off. Now in the King James it says, the anger of the Lord waxed hot against Israel. Where I came from, we say God got ticked off. Why was God angry? Was God angry because they were afraid? No, no, ma'am. No, sir. Was God angry because they were anxious about the things that they did not expect to see uh, in that land? Not at all. What God was angry was about was because they didn't believe God could take care of them anymore. God had always taken care of them. God has always provided for them. God provided for their food. God provided for their clothing. God provided for their victory. And when they got to a moment where they had to trust God and they couldn't believe, then they allowed their fears to overcome their faith. Because at that point, they began to believe that their problems were bigger than their God. And their worry became a sin and a transgression against God. Now, the word for worry in the Greek is merimna. Since we don't have any Greek people here, I thought I would say that this morning. But the word actually means a division or fracture of a person's well-being. What, what worry is, is worry divided attention that causes you to be pulled in two directions. And the concern that I want to offer for you this morning, the thing that I want you to understand is that when we worry in, in, the, in an inappropriate or a non-spiritual way, what happens is, is that we start seeking our security in something other than the Lord. 
Instead of believing that the Lord is our keeper, we're pulled to start saying, this depends on me. It depends on something else. I've got to do something for this situation. And where you position God in that equation in relationship to your trouble has everything to do whether you cross the line between whether worry is a sin or not. Where do you position God in your struggle? Where do you find in Him the strength and the ability to navigate the situation that is causing you so much anxiety? It has everything to do with where you position God. So what does the Bible say about worry? I'm going to lift up to you this morning three. What Paul just said to us is don't worry about anything. That's what Paul says. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank Him for what He's done. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, Give all of your worries and cares to God because He cares for you. And then for a few moments this morning, I want you to open your Bible and look with me in Matthew chapter 6. I want to take a moment here to walk you through what I think is one of the most crucial passages of Scripture that deals with worry and anxiety. It's in the middle of what is most often called the Sermon on the Mount or the, or the Sermon on the Mount in, in, or the Beatitudes. Start in verse 24 of chapter 6. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and man. Now, before we go further, let me just say, he's been dealing with this issue that you cannot put your trust in the things of this world. And he said, you can't serve both. You can't have a faith in God and a faith in material things. Because again, you'll be divided. You'll be pulled in two directions. You have to decide. I either believe God or I don't. Verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Life, he says, whether you'll have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Is it like more than food in your body, more than clothing? Then he says in 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in the barns for their heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you more valuable to him than they are? 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? 28, why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothes. Yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. Verse 30, And if God cares so wonderfully for wild flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly take care of you. Why do you have so little faith? He says, 31, so don't worry about these things. 
saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. In other words, it's the way the world thinks. They are consumed with worry over these kind of things. He said, I don't want you to live that way. Your heavenly Father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and He will give you everything that you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying it is a waste of time for you to be obsessed worrying about things that God has already taken care of. You did not get here on your own strength. Your life is not provided for by your own self. Your life is not the extensions of your ability to be able to take care of your needs every day, every day, every moment of your life. Your life is taken care of by the God who loves you so much that He would do anything to take care of you. And there is no situation. There is no issue. There is nothing that is too, God, too big for God to take care of. So how does this work, Pastor? Let me give you two examples. You may want to write this down somewhere. You can go back and read this for yourself. In Genesis 19, Genesis 19, two angels, at least two angels, show up at Abraham's tent and they tell Abraham that God is sick and tired of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he's decided to take an, a, an action against that city it is going to be destroyed. Abraham knows that his son, his nephew Lot and his family is there in that city. And he obviously has concern. He has an anxiety, a worry, whatever you want to call it. He's got concern about Lot and his future. And so he begins to plead with God for helping Lot get out of that city. Notice in Genesis 19, Abraham's concern positions God right in the middle of that circumstance. Abraham doesn't say, oh my God, I've got to get an army and I've got to go down there and drag Lot out. He doesn't say, I've got to energize my forces and my resources and take care of this. That's not what he does. He pleads with God and he sees God as the only one that can take care of the problem. He positions God in the middle of the relationship of trouble. And that's what I'm saying. That that's what God wants you to do. When worry and anxiety and stress comes, He wants you to position your faith to say, I have a God who takes care of me and I can trust Him to take care of this. Here's the second story. Luke chapter 8. Write that one down. Go back and read that one. The disciples are in a boat and a vicious storm arises. They are transversing over the Sea of Galilee. That storm comes. They become completely petrified. 
Fearing that they are going to die, they remember that Jesus is in the boat with them. They go down the bottom of that boat and they say to Jesus, we're about to die. Do you not care? Jesus gets up, he rebukes the wind and he says to them, where is your faith? See, they didn't position God in the middle of their trouble. They saw the outside circumstances of being so ominous. They were overwhelmed in their fear because of what they saw, because of what they saw in their life, and they realized they were helpless against it. You see, what, what has to happen is there has to be a transformation of our minds. We have to not think like unbelievers. We have a natural tendency to do that. We have a natural tendency to fall back to a human thought that says, I'm in trouble, I'll never get out of this, there's no way. And we don't ever factor in what I call the God factor. Because if God gets involved, it changes everything. If God gets involved with your disease, it changes what the doctors have told you. If God gets involved with your finances, it changes the bottom line at the bank. If God gets involved in your family, it changes what your son told you because there is a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly more than you ask or think. So let's finish. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And be sure to thank him for what he's done. And then he says, then you will experience God's peace. The victory over worry is peace. Peace, peace, wonderful peace coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my soul. There's peace that comes and that peace conquers all fear and all worry. But go on to see what he says. He finishes up by saying, his peace will exceed anything that you can understand. You see, when God's peace comes into a situation, no matter how dire or difficult it is, and you begin to exhibit a peace, your friends are going, I don't know how you're dealing with this. I don't know how you're getting through this. You know how you're getting through it? The peace of God. Call came late one evening that, as I told you earlier, that Helen Dingus was in trouble. Lake West. I went over there and there was a lot of emotion, a lot of angst. Unbelievers who don't know Christ falling apart, going crazy, going nuts. And there was Teresa. She gave her heart to the Lord about six or eight weeks ago. She's been attending our new believers class. She's been trying to walk with the Lord. And she said, Pastor, she told Shelly first, but then she told me later, she said, I can't explain it to you. But she said, I was standing over there in the corner of the room. And she said, I felt something just kind of come over me. And I felt God say, 
I'm going to take her, but you'll be all right. And she said, I haven't worried from that moment forward. See, that's... Somebody just got a word from the Lord right there. See, that's the peace that is beyond human understanding. It doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't make sense. You're, you're, you're in a situation where you feel completely overwhelmed. You're overcome by the problems and the difficulties. And, and somehow there's a peace that says, it's okay. It's not denial. Listen, don't, don't walk out of here and say, oh, that preacher's preaching that mind over matter. No, I'm not. I'm not denying the struggle, but I am declaring the greatness of God. I'm not denying the circumstances. I'm not denying what you're going through, but I'm declaring the power of our God. I, I, I tried all week. I, I, I just kept saying, God, what is this peace? Help me, help me describe this peace. I felt like the Lord said it's two things. It's confidence that God is in control and he's able to take care of it. And it's the grace that God gives you to turn loose of it and let it be. The old timers used to say it like this, didn't they, Brother Tyree? Take your burdens to the Lord, leave them there. That takes grace, doesn't it? Because you know what you and I often do? We bring our burdens here to the Lord and we take them back to the seat with us. But the grace to be able to release to God what you cannot handle on your own. I want to leave you with this. John 14. Jesus said this, he said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. The peace that I give is a gift that the world cannot give. Don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I think God's trying to tell somebody in this house today, it's all right. I got it. You don't have to labor with it anymore. You don't have to struggle over it anymore. Like I said, everybody comes into this room from their own circumstance and their own situation. You've got people sitting here this morning that are dealing with grief. You've got people sitting here today who don't know how they're going to make their mortgage. You've got people sitting here that don't know how they're going to hold their fractured family together. You've got people here who are afraid of what the test was going to show what they're going to have to deal with. you got people that are just, it's just so much life. You're going to have to find a way to deal with it. You're going to have to find a way to overcome your worry. That's not the way God wants you to live. This peace that I'm talking about is the testimony of a God. Who's big enough, great enough, powerful enough to take care of you. He always has. He always will. Let's bow our heads today, please. Father, there is a sweetness of your presence that's in this house today. It's unmistakable. This was clearly the moment, clearly the time 
that you chose, you wanted to speak this word to your people today. And so I'm praying, I'm believing with you right now for the fulfillment in every life. The embrace, the laying hold of God's promises, the transformation that makes us new and free in God. I pray for the people who spend the long, dark nights. I pray for the ones who cry in the quiet when nobody sees. I pray for those who deal with the stress, stress and the strain of their careers and their, their situations to the extent that it, it physically manifests itself in them. Blood pressure issues, cholesterol issues, headaches, muscle aches, physical manifestations of a life that is overcome by the stresses and the strain of this world. And I declare the greatness and the peace of God, the transformation of God over this people today. People watching online, people sitting in their living rooms, in their cars, on a mobile device that needed to hear the word of God today. To know that there is a God big enough to take care of them. God, give us the courage now to release it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed this morning. If you're in this room today and you say, listen, pastor, I would not be honest if I did not tell you that right now I am stressing and dealing with worry and anxiety over situations that feel ominous to me. And I need God to help me. Lift up your hand right where you are. And I want you to hold them up just a second. Yes, good Lord, all over the house. I got this stuff. I got this stuff. I have a tendency. What about you? Thank you. You can put your hand down. I've got this tendency, Pastor, that I, that I have a tendency to worry. I have a tendency to panic over things. And I need God to help me to reshape the way that I think, the way that I feel. And I needed this this morning. Lift up your hand right now. God sees, God sees, yes, yes. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.